what are the disciples doing? Sleeping. Amen. He said, couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Pray that you don't enter into temptation. And he goes back and prays again the same way he prayed before. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Amen. And comes back again, and they're sleeping again. The Bible says, for their eyes were heavy with sleep. And he's like, I I needed you to pray with me. Could you pray with me for one hour? And he goes back again and prays the same thing. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And it says that as he was praying, his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood. Amen. And so what was happening during that time was uh, he who knew no sin was about to drink the cup of sin for all of us. Amen. Have you, have you ever got something new? You know, if I look at any of the ladies, if like if you got a new white dress, or if you're married, if you're married, imagine your wedding dress, and how it's you know you, you get it out of the plastic and you're you're putting it on and you got just a little ways to go down the aisle, and somebody comes up and they're eating a chili dog, and you're like, get away from me, <laughs> you know? That's that's joking, but. You've got to imagine, Jesus has not sinned. He is the Lamb of God. Amen. And he's about to take away the sin of the world. And this is what he's struggling with in the garden of, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, you know, let it pass from me, nevertheless. Because he's about to take all of our sins upon him. Amen. And he's gotten to this point that it's like, all right, it's, it's time to submit myself to this and let this happen. But his friends let him down. Amen. You know, it wasn't his enemies. It, it's something, it's one thing if your enemies do bad stuff to you or let you down. But when your friends let you down, That's something different. You know, I was supposed to be able to count on you. What happened? You know, don't be surprised when from time to time your friends or your brothers and sisters let you down. It's going to happen. Amen. You know, maybe they didn't do it on purpose. What if they were just tired? Like the disciples. Amen. Amen. But if Jesus suffered being let down by his friends, we're going to suffer that from time to time. Amen. Let's go on a little bit here. The next thing that happened as part of Jesus' suffering was one that he had fellowshiped with for three and a half years one that he had poured into the same things that he poured into every other one of the disciples uh, is that one of those disciples betrayed him. Amen. Judas Iscariot loved money. He was the one that held the bag and he had talked to the chief priests and they said, look for a chance where we can get a hold of him when he's not with the multitude. Amen. 
You know, there were a couple situations where the high priest had sent their soldiers to go get people, to go get Jesus, but the multitude was going to stone them if they did it. So they're like, we've got to find a time where we can do this without anybody around. And something happened in the heart of Judas when he heard that Jesus wasn't going to be the one that was going to restore things back to how they were before in Israel in the natural circumstances. And it was like, maybe this really isn't him. Maybe it's not really him. What he's talking about, the Bible says that he loved money. You know, how am I going to make money out of this? You know, if I'm not going to be one of the top guys in the new kingdom, you know, I don't really like this plan. So he ended up betraying Jesus. You know, if you've ever been betrayed by someone, to be betrayed by someone, they have to be pretty close to you. It has to be somebody you trust. You know, there's uh, when you look at how human beings are made up, we really just have one door to our heart. Amen. And when you close that door because somebody did something to you or you're trying to protect yourself, that same door you close to protect yourself closes off love from people and from God. Amen. If you keep people at arm's distance to protect yourself, you're also keeping love at arm's distance. Amen. So, you can't be betrayed by somebody that's a stranger and have it really affect you all that much as far as your heart. Amen. But Jesus was close to Judas Iscariot and he betrayed him. And there will probably be times in your life where you're either actually betrayed or it feels like you were betrayed. Amen. Jesus went through that, and there will be times where we go through that. Amen. They arrest Jesus, and he is treated terribly. I'm not going to read through all the details of what happens to him, but he is brought before Annas. He's brought before Caiaphas. He's sent to Pilate. Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod sends him back to Pilate again. And Pilate's looking for a way to let him go. His wife had come to him and said, had come to him and said, I've suffered many things in a dream this night because of him. You have nothing to do with this just man. And so Jesus is trying to find, I'm sorry, uh, Pilate is trying to find a way to let Jesus go. Uh, If we read in Matthew 27 and verse 21, just another chapter past where we were. Chapter 27, verse 21 of Matthew. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. The name is interesting, Barabbas. It means the son of the father. Amen. Anything bar means son in Hebrew. Abba is father. So they chose a false son of of the Father over the true Son of the Father. Amen. They said, Barabbas, verse 22, 
Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Amen. Uh, Pilate knew what justice was in this case and didn't do it. Amen. There are going to be times where you're right, but it doesn't go your way. Amen. And it doesn't feel good. There are going to be times where you're treated badly and you know it's not right. You know it's not right, but it's going to happen anyway. Amen. I know this isn't a uh, lesson to run the aisles to. Amen. But we're going to get someplace as we go here. Praise God. The next thing that happens is Jesus is beaten. He's scourged. Um, I'm not going to go through all the details of that, but, you know, it's things that we see and experience today for nearly every one of us in our normal life. We've never seen or experienced anything like what Jesus went through that day, even before going to the cross. Amen. Things that were done to him purposefully, purposefully, that had so much pain, so much shame and humiliation associated with them, it's hard for us in this time to comprehend what really happened to him. Amen. I mean, when I was, when I was a kid, they still had the paddle in the school. Amen. You know? Yeah. It, and, you know, people behave better. Amen. It's like, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want that. Amen. But we think about that, and it's like, oh, it's the paddle. You know, now they can't even do that can't even do that well this wasn't the paddle amen the bible says his back looked like a plowed field praise god that's what he went through for us amen um, the next thing of course is he went to the cross for us amen and again you know we we have the death penalty in this country uh but it's Quite honestly, there is so much concern about, typically it's the murderer or the, uh, you know, multiple murders that this person has committed. So much concern about what they might go through during capital punishment, and a lot of times it doesn't happen. You know, it, it doesn't. So even the death penalty today is so much different than it was then that we have a hard time imagining what this really was like. Amen. You know, you, you did not die of the nail wounds when you're crucified. You actually died of asphyxiation. Amen. So he had had his back beaten, and he's on the cross. And in order to get a breath, you have to pull with your arms you push up with your feet and pull with your arms to take a breath. 
pushing against the nail that's through your feet. And then you end up nearly losing consciousness because of the pain and drop down again until the point where you are gasping for another breath and you push back up. And that process is repeated. And I did some reading about this. I've read about it before. But people could be on the cross for days before they finally died of asphyxiation. Amen. It's just, it's, again, for us, it's almost unimaginable what he went through. Amen. Um, The Bible says that they stripped him and then crucified him. You know, you see all the pictures and he has this cloth, loincloth on and all that. That's not what the Bible says. They stripped him. So not only was the death that he died the most horrific way that you can die, he went through the shame. Can you imagine the shame of being naked in public? You know, I know our world's gone crazy and a lot of people run around pretty close to naked in public, but, you know, it's, he was there to be ridiculed, to be tortured to death for us. He went through all that for us. Amen. While he was on the cross, he was mocked. You have the high priest. You have the the priest there. You know, if he be the son of God, let him come down from the cross and we'll believe him. Then we'll believe him. If he's the Christ, let's see what he can do. Amen. He could have come off the cross. But he loved you and I so much that he didn't do that. Amen. He could have proved who he was. But he never did anything in his life on this earth to prove who he was. He knew who he was. He didn't have to prove to anybody who he was. Amen. Hallelujah. Toward the end of his time on the cross, uh, and actually... Right up to the very end. If we go to Matthew 27, verse 50. I'm sorry, let's read uh, verse 46 first. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lamach sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is God manifest in the flesh, saying, My God, Why hast thou forsaken me? Was he forsaken of God? No, absolutely not. But the weight of sin that he had taken on him made him feel forsaken by God. Amen. Here he was, sinless, and felt forsaken by God. There are going to be times where you and I, who are not sinless, feel forsaken by God. Amen. Let's go to verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Amen. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And there's, there's probably very few people in here that don't know what that represents. That What that showed was the way into the holiest of holies 
was now made clear by the death of the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. Prior to that, it was one man, one time a year, that went in to offer blood for the sins of the people. But the Bible says this signifying, in the book of Hebrews, this signifying that the way into the holiest was now open to us. Amen. Amen. That if you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, you can now enter into that holiest of holies. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So those are the some of the high points of the suffering of Jesus. Um, certainly there was a lot more in his life that was suffering than just those things that happened in the last days of his life. Um, he was born into a situation where it was assumed by most people that he was illegitimate. Amen. And so if you've ever felt illegitimate or not who, you know, if people didn't think you were who you were supposed to be or your circumstances were not good, Jesus went through that and knows what that's like. Amen. He was falsely accused continually. Amen. If you've been falsely accused, Jesus knows what that's like. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Let's go to Hebrews 2 and verse 10. Hebrews 2 and verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Um, In the uh, Spiritual Growth One book, there's a lesson toward the end of that book that talks about, you know, was, was Jesus sinless? Yes, he was. And then another question says, was Jesus perfect? Was Jesus perfect? You know, and you can think about that, and it's like, ah, let's see. Was Jesus perfect? Well, we just read that the captain of their salvation, he was made perfect through sufferings. Amen. When Jesus was born, when Jesus was a young man who uh, wandered off from his parents and went back to the temple, you know, we look at these things, there was a process of perfection, of maturing, that had to happen in him so that he could do what he did in his ministry and especially in laying down his life for us. Amen. The captain of our salvation had to be perfected by suffering. Amen. Now, you and I know very well when we look in the mirror that we're not perfect. So it's not a stretch. It's not a hard thing to accept that if the captain of our salvation had to be perfected by suffering, that we 
are going to be perfected by suffering. Amen. There's not one of us that's perfect. Amen. Amen. I don't hear any arguments, so I I won't belabor the point. Hallelujah. Maybe maybe one back here somewhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, Just for the next few minutes, I'd like to talk about the work of suffering in our lives. Amen. Um, A few verses here. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So you read that, if we deny him, he will also deny us. I mean, that's, I think it's, the meaning there is very plain when you look at, you know, if, if I'm ashamed of Jesus, he said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. So if I, if I really don't want to identify with him in front of people, if I don't want to be associated with his name and who he is and what he's wanting to do in my life, and I'm embarrassed about that in front of people, the meaning's pretty plain, that if we deny him, he'll also deny us. But I think also if you look at that, if that's denying him to someone else. But what if we deny him? If he says, I want this, and we say, nah, we keep resisting. We keep resisting. If we deny him, if we deny him what he wants, he will also deny us. Amen. We have a choice when it comes to suffering. And this has been taught many times here. This, this is not a new doctrine. But in our prayer lives... We've all been taught, don't sit there and pray for God to change everything. Oh God, make this better, make that better. Lord, fix this. Lord, my toe hurts, fix that. We've been taught not to pray that way. But we've been taught to pray, Lord, whatever you're doing through this, don't stop it or take it out of my life one moment before you're done doing what you want to do in me through this thing. Amen. That's not a new teaching at Antioch. Amen. And so if we deny him, what if he's wanting to bring something into your life to perfect you that's not fun to go through? Amen. How do we deny that? Lord, change this, change this, change this. Lord, I don't like this. Lord, take this out of here. Lord, take this cup away. Take this cup away. Amen. We've got to have a heart that says, Lord, you're a good father. And you know what is needed in my life to continue the work of perfection that you're wanting to do in me. I'm not going to turn there, but if you look at Romans 8, the Bible says that we are predestinated to to be conformed to the image of his son. Amen. Who's the we? The we is those that have been born again. We are predestinated to be conformed to the image 
of His Son. In other words, when you're born again, the Lord has a picture of you in mind at the end of this whole thing. And He says, you're right here right now, but I am predestinating you to get to this version of you. And the way you're going to get there is you're going to suffer some things along the way to transform you into the vision that I have of you. Amen. We're predestinated to be conformed into the image of His Son. Praise God. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. Second Corinthians four seventeen, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Again, not a new verse uh, in this sanctuary, but when we look at that, it lets us know that in order to get to that eternal weight of glory, there's affliction that we're going to go through. What does affliction produce in us? Suffering. Amen. Philippians 3 and verse 10. Philippians 3 and verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Amen. Again, none of these verses are new around here. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Why, why the fellowship of his sufferings? Because if I don't go through suffering, I'm not going to be conformed to the image of His Son. Amen. And I'm not going to be ready. I'm not going to be ready when either it's the time at the end of my life or when that trumpet sounds. I'm not going to be ready the way Enoch was when the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not because God took him. And Hebrews says about that, that before his translation, Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. Amen. Amen. I don't want to stay the way I am right now. I don't want to stay where I'm at right now. I've had the Holy Ghost for 29 years. I don't want to stay where I'm at right now. Amen. I don't want to be what I am today, tomorrow. I want God to do more in me. I want God to take care of things in my life. I want God to heal things. I want God to remove things that don't belong there so that tomorrow is better than today. And I don't mean better as in my life suddenly is just a bed of roses. I mean better as in God can really do what he wants to do through me tomorrow more than he can today. Amen. Acts 14 in verse 22. 
Acts 14, 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. We don't like verses like this. It, it, it's not fun to read. We, through much tribulation, must enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. That's pretty plain. Uh, Revelation 3 and verse 19 Revelation 3, verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Amen. There's never time in your life where God will stop pointing things out to you that we need to repent of. Amen. I... Uh, was in the Marine Corps and you know, went to the Naval Academy for a couple years, ended up resigning to go into the ministry. Um, one of the classes at the Naval Academy is navigation. And we think, and, and it's right to teach this, but we say that repentance is I'm going away from God and then conviction comes and I stop and I change direction and go back toward God. And that's absolutely true. But I want to show you something that's just as much repentance. If I'm on this line on the carpet, you know, I learned in navigation, if you're, if you're sailing across thousands of miles of ocean, if you're off one degree at the beginning of that and you stay off one degree, you don't end up a couple miles away from where you wanted to be you end up hundreds or thousands of miles away from where you wanted to be. That's a finite distance to get to where I'm going. If I'm in California and I'm trying to navigate to Hong Kong, it's a long way, but it's a finite distance. It's probably six, 7,000 miles of ocean. So the distance I'm off is going to be finite. But we're not trying to go somewhere finite. We're all sitting in this place tonight because we're trying to go somewhere in eternity that we want to be. And if I'm heading somewhere in eternity at an infinite distance, if I'm off a degree and I'm going this way and I should be going toward Brother Lewis over there, and I, I'm going on and on and on and on, that distance that I end up off is a pretty big distance. I'm not going to end up at my destination. Amen. So it's just as much repentance. We can, it's so easy. Oh, I'm not sinning. I'm not... I'm not living a life of sin. I don't do anything immoral. Well, what if there's something in your life where you're off a couple degrees? And it's not that obvious. It's just not that obvious because I'm still pretty close to where, you know, what, what God would have me do. I'm just, I'm just over here a little bit. The problem is the farther we go, the farther away we are from where God wanted us to be. So there never comes a point where God isn't going to deal with us about something in our life to repent over and to get closer to where God would have us to be than where we are right now. Amen. Praise God.
Hallelujah. Uh, John 15 and verse 2. John 15 and verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth fruit, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Even if you're bearing fruit, God is going to allow suffering. You know, I don't know if, I don't see Brother uh, McGuckian in here. He's probably in one of the other rooms. That's all right. But if you've ever pruned something, you know, if you've got a bush or a tree or whatever it is, when you prune that thing, you don't just cut the dead parts off. You have to cut back into the living part of that plant enough so that you make sure all the dead stuff is cut away. It's gone. Well, when you cut into living stuff, I know plants don't have feelings, so I'm not talking about that, but when God cuts into parts of you or me that are still alive to remove some stuff, that produces suffering. Amen. So even if you're bearing fruit, even if you know God's using you, you're not exempt from suffering. Amen. We can't think that, oh, I'm going I'm to do it just right, and then God will just let everything be great down here. It doesn't work that way. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul concluded, if I could just summarize all these different verses we've talked here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, he said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Why did he say that? Because he lived a life of suffering. I've spent a day and, night, and a night in the deep. Thrice was I beaten with rods, stoned, uh, in perils of my countrymen, in perils of false brethren. He goes on and on. And he's saying, well, uh, if this is all there is, this is pretty miserable. Amen. Because he knew it was suffering. He knew there would be suffering. And we can read about the things he suffered. Amen. So he's saying there, you know, you're going to go through suffering. And if all you're worried about is this life, and if all there is is this life, you're miserable. But there is another way to approach suffering. Amen. Let's look at Jeremiah 18 and verse 1. I'm going to hurry along here. Jeremiah 18 and 1. The word of the Lord, which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. When I went down to the pot, then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye. In my hand, O house of Israel. I want to take the last few minutes and just talk about this. Has, has anyone here thrown clay on a wheel before? A couple? Anybody else? Amen. There's a process 
that happens with that. The first thing you do is you, you take that clay and you throw it down onto the wheel so it's going to stick. And then you, you smack on it a little bit to get it to stay there. And then the wheel begins to spin. You know, at this time it was with your foot. Now, probably an electric motor. But that, that wheel begins to spin. And the first thing you do is you make a cone of that clay. And so you're pressing with both hands. Your hands are sort of shaped like this with the, the heel of your palm and your fingers. And you make that clay rise up to a cone. And you're getting ready to center it by doing that. And so you press on it, and what's happening, you know, what do the hands represent at that point? This is, these are the pressures and problems and troubles of life. And if you think about shortly before you were born again, before you heard the word of God and were actually ready to obey the gospel, there was probably an extra amount of pressure and trouble going on in your life. Amen. And that starts to happen, and it, the clay starts to rise up. The next step is you need to, you're going to center that clay and you put one hand on top of it and it overlaps the other hand and one hand holds it and you anchor that arm and you start pressing down. Amen. That's conviction when you hear the word of God and you start pressing down, pressing down, the potter's pressing down on it and it gets centered so that the things that are going to happen after this can actually happen without the vessel being destroyed and having to start all over again. So that clay gets centered. And then there's a change in what happens. Now one hand stays on the outside, and the other hand, the fingers of the potter, on the other hand, are put into the middle of that clay to begin to make an opening in that clay. Before this, there's no opening in the clay. But the pressures of life and the conviction pressing down on it make an opening in the clay. Amen. That's what happened in your life so that you could get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so the potter has his hand on the outside and he has his other hand on the inside. And now he begins to press both from the outside and the inside. And that pressure has to be from both places. Amen. That pressure on the outside is still problems, troubles, pressure. Amen. In this world, you shall have tribulation. That's what's happening on the outside of your life. It's happening right now. Amen. But Jesus also said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That's his other hand on the inside of your life. Amen. Pressing back against the tribulation from the outside so that when both of those pressures are equal and pushing against you, that vessel begins to rise up and be something besides just a lump of clay spinning around. Amen. That vessel begins to rise up and become something beautiful that the potter is trying to make in your life. What is, what is this hand that's on the inside? What is that? It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. We read last week that Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. When all these pressures of life, when you have pain in your body, when you have situations in your family, when you have financial problems, and all that is pressing on you from the outside, the place we need to run to is our comforter. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost to comfort us. And when we do that, 
then the work of all these things happening on the outside works with God comforting us on the inside and makes us into the vessel that God wants us to be. Amen. Amen. Here's what happens if those aren't in balance. If all you want, if all you're ever looking for is God to minister to you and everything be great, and you know, I talked about it earlier, the joy of the Lord all the time, it's too much pressure on the inside and the vessel collapses outward. But if the pressure from the outside comes and you don't seek God to comfort you, but instead, you know, you look for something else, let me binge watch YouTube or let me do whatever it is. That's not enough on the inside to prevent the pressures of this life making your vessel collapse inward. It's not enough. Amen. The Bible says that the Lord has put the world in the heart of man. That word, the world there, means eternity. In other words, there's an emptiness in our heart that can only be filled by something eternal. And when the pressures of this life come, we have to seek the face of God and let the Holy Ghost minister to us so that God can work in our life to take that pressure from the outside and use it to build us up into what He wants us to be. Amen. Why do people fall into sin? Why do they fall into sin? Because when the pressures from the outside come, you're going to seek comfort. The only question is, where are you going to seek it from? Where am I going to seek it from? If we don't seek that comfort from God, we will seek it somewhere else. Amen. And that thing, oh, but it's not immoral. It's still sin. Because I'm putting something else in the place of God. And it's not letting God do what He wants to do in my life. Amen. But the awesome thing is this. The awesome thing is this. Jesus invited us. The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When is the time of need? When the pressures and the problems and troubles and all these things that come from the outside come against us. That's our time of need. And the Lord has invited us to find grace in those times of need. Amen. Let's just uh, take a minute or two right now before we close. If you've got things in your life that are pressing on you, that are troubling you, that are crushing you, that are trying to break you and destroy you, let's take just a minute right now and let the Holy Ghost comfort us in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, right now, Father, Lord, we come before Your throne of grace. Lord, teach us, O God. Teach us, O God, that whatever comes into our life, whatever suffering that You allow into our life, as You work to perfect us, that we would run to You, O God. That we would lift up our eyes under the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from You, O God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, my God, come on, resolve right now in your own heart. When something comes my way, I'm going to run to God. When problems come into my life, I am going to seek the face of God. I am going to let the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, flow in my life and press back against those things that God has allowed to press on me from the outside. In the name of Jesus, let's make a commitment to the Lord right now. I'm not going to seek comfort in something else, oh God. I'm not going to seek comfort in something 
Lord, that can't satisfy the hunger and thirst of my soul. But Lord Jesus, I am going to seek You, O God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we submit ourselves to You. We submit ourselves to the suffering that You allow to come into our lives. And we submit ourselves, O God, to the comfort of Your Spirit, to Your grace working in us, Father. We trust You tonight. We love You, Lord. We thank You for Your goodness. In Jesus' name, Amen.